You know, I, I, I want to start out today with this, uh, a couple um, of quotes. And uh, you might say, well, what, what, what is that there? Okay, that's just a, a little bit. This is going to be a two-part message. Say two-part. <laughs> all right, and I'll go be able to finish it all today. All right, I'll put this thing together. And I was like, there's just too much information. They've got to be able to swallow the gospel. And if you make it too big, they can't get it all down, right? <laughs> so we're going to do a couple of things. But we're going to start off with a, a couple of quotes. How many of you ever heard of Hudson Taylor? Yeah, right. Go ahead and show me that, that, that quote here. It says, he says this. He says, many Christians estimate difficulties in the light of their own resources and thus attempt little and often fail in the little they attempt. All God's giants have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his power and presence with them. What do you see about that, that quote? You see anything else with regards to some subject matter that we've been talking about over the course of the last number of weeks? What do you see there? Some, when we're weak, he's strong. We see some evidence of some supernatural intervention, do we not? He says, in the natural, men are weak. But it's natural men who are weak who do great things for God. It's a supernatural event that takes place because they reckoned. Central's a force to be reckoned with. Amen. How many of you want to have that be an experience? You want that to be that encounter that guess what? Wherever you go, that the kingdom of darkness is shaken because, oh, no, here comes that central person. Here comes that person from central because guess what? They are fired up. They are worshiping God. They're telling people about God. They are secure in their salvation. Amen. And they want other people to know him just as they know him. Many Christians, though, estimate the difficulties in light of their own resources. They take a look at all the challenges, all the trials, all the tribulations, and they say, wow, woe unto me, right? How many of you know somebody like that? How many of you are somebody like that? <laughs> okay, that's self-confession. Right? We don't have to do that publicly, I guess. But anyway, you, you know, from time to time, every single one of us are like that, are we not? So this other guy, this famous guy, his name is Billy Graham. He said something else here. Let's go ahead and take a look at him. He says this. He says, Satan does not care how much you theorize about Christianity or how much you profess to know Christ. What he opposes vigorously is the way you live Christ, the way you become an instrument of mercy, compassion, and love through which he manifests himself to the world. And if Satan can take the heart Motive and mercy out of Christianity, he has killed its effectiveness. If he can succeed in getting us to talk a good case of religion, but to live a poor one, he has sheared us of our power. That, 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 that's more than a mouthful. You know what I'm saying? You could just, you could just chew on those things. And I know that's not the word. We're going to get to the word. But I, I, I wanted to present to you some very powerful, influential men of God and their estimation of some of the challenges that we as the body of Christ have. How many of you know that we've got some challenges today? There are some things that's happening in the world today that makes it very challenging in order for us to live and be effective and productive. But you know what? Nothing more so than the realization of us that we're not getting the job done. And maybe we're not getting the job done because we're more concerned about other things than we are about kingdom things. You might say, no, not me. Listen, if Peter struggled with it and he had in mind the things of men who walked and talked with Jesus, who was used in remarkable ways over and over again, I mean, if he can struggle, that we can struggle. 
From time to time, we live in such a manner and way that our eyes just get focused upon the temporary things, the things that are around us, and we lose focus of the mission. We lose the desire even at times to be sacrificial, to be to be even persecuted. And, and we think that persecution sometimes is coming upon us. It's coming because we must be doing something wrong. Well, how about persecution is coming on you because you're doing something right? How many of you understand that the devil comes against those people who are really trying to get it done? He doesn't care how much you theorize about being a Christian. He doesn't even care about how much that you, you profess to know. But what he opposes is the way in which you live out Christ. You can't live out Christ, all right, without Christ doing something in you. We're going to get to that in just a moment. If I'm going to go now to the text there on your screen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times. Oops, I, I began with verse number 3. I'm going to start with verse number 1 in this, but listen to this before we get to verse 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Now that's just talking about the world, right? That's just the, the, they, well, the, some, you know, it's been referred to as the heathen out there. Those are the ones that will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, they will be without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash. Look at that now. Conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Next slide, if you would, please. There we go. Next one. That is the next one. Okay. Having, there we go, a form. What's a form? An outline, a resemblance. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. Watch out. These are the last days, he says. There will be terrible times in the last days. How many of you think that we're experiencing some terrible times? Oh, come on, we're getting in the news. The economy's strong. I mean, no, no, even when the economy's strong, there can be people who are suffering. Do, 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 you, do you understand that everything can be right in your world? <laughs> All right? It can be even on Easy Street, but there are people around you who are, who are being challenged on a regular basis. And if we just kind of bury our heads in the sand and we're not concerned about those people, then, then what good are we? You see, there's people who have a form of godliness, but they deny its power, have nothing to do with Their power to do what? The power to connect with God in such a manner and way that it changes us. Suzanne's back there laughing because I shared my, my find with her. Does anybody know what this is? Any QVC people out there? That's one of these quick, yeah, jumpstart boxes. They call it a halo. And this little box right here has the ability to have enough power in it to start up an eight-cylinder truck. 
Now, I'm not advertising. I'm making no commission whatsoever. I'm just letting you know. It's out there, okay? <laughs> How many of you find that pretty amazing? That in this, because usually you, what you have to do, connect to another, another battery, right? Another car. And sometimes the car has to be, remain running for a period of time, right? And put some amps into that dead battery that's there. Well, guess what? All you got to do, oops, I, turn, I turned it on. It's already ready to go. Look at that. I mean, this thing's got a flashlight. This thing's got, I mean, there's all kinds of things. It's got a plug. Look at that. You can plug something in. I mean, is that not amazing? It's got a, where's that flashlight? Right there. Woo! Ain't that amazing? Yeah, okay. Man, that's bright. But it's also got this ability to charge. And, and you know, and so here's the deal. Go ahead and put that next slide up there, if you would, please. Not that one yet. Go, go, go two more ahead, please. There we go. We're going to talk about the dangers of a bad connection. How many of you know that we, you can have power, but you got a bad connection? It's not working, right? So here's the deal. In this little box is the technology of 500 cold cranking amps. Unbelievable. And you plug it in here. You plug it in there, and then you connect these to the batteries, and you push that little button, and that thing will keep on blinking and blinking and blinking until it tells it's safe and it's got its charge in there, and then it's not going to know it. It's going to keep blinking. And then it can say you can try to start your vehicle. I mean, better been the races. They start your engines. You get excited because you hear that. <laughs> Think about all the raw power that's ready to take off, right? But you know what? I've been to some of those races, and the cars wouldn't start. How many of you have been there before? You've seen that before? Or, or you've gone out, and something was re regularly you know, able to start, able regularly to run, and then something wasn't happening. And you found out that there was just a bad connection. Anyone ever have a bad connection before? Yeah. And a bad connection causes us to, to not be effective, right? There may be power in the power source in the battery, right? But if you don't have a good connection, then you're not going to be able to make a difference in starting the car, right? you got to be able to connect these things at the right place. But even with this particular thing, it's going to run out of charge at some point or another. So what you got to do? you got to recharge it back up. And so this little thing right here. Well, that's a cigarette lighter one. You could charge it off your cigarette lighter, too. It's, well, or extra charge. I don't know if they call them cigarette chargers anymore. Yeah, accessory things. If the battery's dead, you can't do that. That's right. You've got to charge it up beforehand, all right? See? She's listening. She's thinking this through. But this little thing right here plugged into the wall, and this little connection right here charges up that battery that has enough power to turn over a car. How many of you guys are still amazed? It is amazing, is it not? That's what I want you to understand. Within you, there is no ability. Within you is the commonness of dirt. Your makeup is you are made from the dust of this earth. He says you're, you're an earthen vessel. I mean, think about that for a moment. But inside of you, he said he has placed his 
spirit. He has given you his spirit. He has given you his power. And he wants to charge you up. He wants to fill you up so that you can do something that nobody around would expect that you'd be able to do. But even so, even though the power is there, it's got to be connected, right, the right way. We're going to talk a little bit about that over the course of this week and next week, how important it is for us to be connected because there's dangers of bad connections, right? Go back in that scripture verse that I had you skip there, all right, if you would, please. James chapter 1. Verse number 26 says this, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. These are serious times that we live in. And I'm convinced that we face a couple different out, outcomes. I've seen in the movies, I've seen advertised in the movies, uh, I was looking at a movie showing near me and whatever, and there was a movie that was on, and, and it, it had, you can go and watch the movie with one ending, or if you wanted to go and pay and watch the movie with another ending. How many of you have seen that around before? <laughs> Is that amazing? We are such a, 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 a people who want alternatives or we want extra types of ways that we'll sit and watch another type of movie that has one particular platform, one particular outcome. And if we, you sat there at, one, at, at the end of some movies and you're like, man, I really wonder what would have happened if they wouldn't have made this choice. Well, guess what? They're making movies now so that you can go ahead and make the other choice and see what that would have happened there. Another outcome. We, we live in a crazy time, do we not? But it's still terrible times as well, and, and, and it's challenging for us because there's all kinds of things that could happen, but based upon the decisions of the body of Christ, based upon your decisions, the outcome will be extremely different, all right? Or it'll be just the same as always has been. Because there's a risk. There is a risk of the very annihilation of Christianity as we know it. We are living in a time where some people do not know who Jesus is in America. They don't know that he is the son of God. They think he is just a byword, a curse word. They, they, they literally, some people in America have not ever walked into a church, nor maybe will not. And I say a church building because you're the church, right? So we face either annihilation as far as Christianity. We face maybe the coming of Jesus Christ. How many of you can get excited about that? Come Lord Jesus, right? Amen. But as much as we say that, we realize for the people who don't know Jesus, when Jesus comes, oh. You have that aching within your heart, the realization like you want to be done with it all, but you realize in order for you to be done with it all and be able to experience your reward that other people will not experience life at all. Mm. That's got to settle in on us. We've got to realize that because the other aspect of this is, is that Jesus may not come right away, and he may leave to us the responsibility for a last day revival. 
How many want to be part of seeing the power of God being made manifest across the face of the earth again? How many of you know that even though we believe in the immediate, imminent return of Jesus Christ, that up until that point in time, we've got every day as an opportunity. We've got every opportunity, right, to show the power of God being made manifest in people's lives. And, and you know what? He is the real deal. You're quiet today. That's all right. You see, if someone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, we're going to talk about some things today. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I don't think any of us want to be worthless today, right? We don't want to be worthless. We want to see this, this epidemic, all right, but in a good way of people coming to know Jesus. We want to see people who have a sense of urgency, and we need to be having a sense of urgency and, and, and recognize it's ER time. It's emergency room time. There are people out there who are dying, who need Jesus, and, and we need to be the physicians for them. We need to be the caregivers for them because that's what the Word of God says, that that is going to be real religion. That is going to prove that we are fully connected to him. And when we start to run down on charge, that we've gone back to the power source and we got filled back up so that we can do, once again, remarkable, amazing things. So let's take a, take a look at this. Skip them two slides, if you would, please, to the dangers of, of, of this bad connections. Number one is this, that we would be lacking in reality. Lacking in reality. The scripture said this in, in, in 1 James 1, 26. If anyone considers himself religious, in the King James Version it says, if anyone seems religious to himself, if he seems that way, all right? If he considers himself, if he thinks that way, and then it goes on, and, but doesn't do this and doesn't do that, then, then basically he is deceiving himself. Now there's many people who have a form of godliness, they have a name that they, that, that they live in, in, in they, that they're called upon by, all right? But sometimes they've got no action, right? You see some names of, of some people and, and some things come to mind. of Some people who is activated and being used for God. But for some people, they are a Christian in name only. And they're not making any type of difference. Have we got to the place in our culture today to where the world thinks that Christians are worthless or irrelevant? How many of you know there's lots of the world out there that thinks that? Do you know what's going to make a difference to where the world quits thinking that? When we, the true church, arise because we're connected to him and we start to make a difference. Some people make the mistake of thinking they can do it with their words. They can get into an argument. They can, someone says, I don't believe God exists. I mean, if he did, then he'd be doing this or he'd be doing that. And, stuff. and we may not have some, some kickbacks as far as some arguments, you know, to go with them. But, but that words, all right, that we try to have, oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. He did it for me. You know, there's people out there saying, well, what will he do for me? Do you know that God's called you to be an agent a distributor of his power in their life? When we talked about last week that he sent the, the 12 out, and then later on you could read the same in the, in the text of the chapter following in Luke chapter 10, where he basically sent out 70 or 72, depending on, on which particular version that you're reading from, but we find that he sent them out. 
and he expected them to do miracles, right? He said, oh, by the way, go preach the gospel. And along the way, heal the sick. Bind up the brokenhearted as I came to do. He says, go ahead and bring hope to people, amen. Go ahead and help people to understand that when persecution comes your way, you're not sidetracked because of it. People are looking at the way in which you and the church are responding to the difficulties that you have in life. And sometimes we, the church, aren't doing a very good job at showing them that we absolutely believe. I want to tell you something. Eileen Luckett lived a life in a manner and way that demonstrated that she believed, not in this world, not in this life so much, but in the life to come, amen? She believed that there was something greater that was in store, so, many, uh, so much so that in months in advance she was saying, Dear Jesus, I'm ready to check out of here. I'm ready to get my reward, all right? I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to speak it along but I am ready for it and because she was ready for it there was no fear now I have this inkling within me this belief that if we can get so connected to Jesus and the reality of his existence within our life that no matter what would come against us we would realize that that he who has the power to take both our life and our soul we ought to fear him more than the person who could take our life And therefore, we would have the absence of all fear whatsoever. Could you imagine a fearless army of God going forward and just saying, you know what? God is over me. He's watching over me. He's taking care of me. He's got things planned for my life. And if it so be that he determines today that he's going to let my life be given up for him as far as walking upon the face of the earth, then I'm going to surrender to that. I'm not going to fear if someone could say, well, what about the grandkids? Well, what about the job? Well, what about the spouse? Well, what about you could come up with a whole bunch of what ifs. But I believe God wants us to get to a point to where we're so connected with him that we're experiencing the power of God in an unreal, supernatural way that is outside of the realms of this world. How many of you know what I'm talking about? To where you can come within death's grasp. You can take a look at that and say, you know what, death, I don't fear you. You may receive some bad news about a, a, a physical diagnosis that's coming your way. And you, someone may tell you, you know what, you've got cancer. You've got the, a heart problem. You've got this. And the enemy would try to come and he try to make you just all swell up with all kinds of fear. But I'm telling you what, not only can God heal you on this side, but if he does not, your life is not over. I thought this was a, a Pentecostal church. <laughs> What's that mean? That I, I, I means that you believe in the power of God. You believe in healing today, right? I don't have the answers for you why it doesn't happen every time, every way. Some people try to say, well, it's because of the lack of faith of that person. If they just had more faith, then they basically would have been received and uh, received the healing. How many of you know that that is true sometimes? Do you hear what I said? but not in every case. Or if the church, if the church was, was just more of a church of faith, then basically we would start to see people being healed. We could be raising the dead. And how many of you know raising the dead is a pretty awesome thing, right? But how many of you know it's be some people pretty upset with you if you raise them from the dead? I'm telling you what, Eileen would be, she, she'd, be she'd be all over us right now. We, we, we'd try to raise her. What in the world are you doing? I got no limitations here right now. I got a spring in my step. See, see, that's where we got to be, church. 
where we're thinking about eternity. We're thinking about the difference. But, but you know what? You can't do that if you are empty inside. If you don't have the reality of a relationship with the living God, then something happens in your life, all right? It's the, the doubt starts to come in. Too many Christians are like, like big old question marks when they ought to be exclamation points, amen? There ought to be you living your life in such a manner and way that says, oh, but I was ordinary, all right? But then God came in and changed things around. Too many Christians are only seemingly Christians when they ought to be sincere Christians. Too many Christians cannot say, I know whom I have believed in and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which, with which I have committed unto him against this day. They can't say that. They don't know it. Listen, the Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. Once again, you, I don't tell anybody they're saved. I want them to be convinced of it. Because when the spirit of God convinces them, nobody can talk them out of it. You can come to me with all kinds of mental ascent knowledge. You can talk to me about evolution. You can talk to me about all the different theories. But I'm telling you what, the Spirit of God has touched me. He has bore witness with my spirit. And you can't talk me out of living for God. Amen. But some people consider the what ifs. The what ifs. Now, if this was to happen, I don't know. In my life, I have had different experience with different people throughout the years. And there was a children's pastor down in Florida, and his wife was tragically taken from him in an automobile accident. I don't cast any judgment. It's just the information. It's just the, re the, the sheer reality of it all. And that is that because she was taken, he was so grieved and he was so upset that he just... Blame God and said, if this is the way you're going to watch over me, then I don't think I want to live for you or serve you anymore. A teacher and a trainer of children. Now, how do you get to that spot? I don't know. Do we pray for him? Yes, we do on a regular basis. And then this last year, less than a year ago, we had another friend from the same church in the same area, happened to be working in children's ministry as well, lost her husband to a heart attack. No inclination whatsoever, just before thanks, uh, just after Thanksgiving, falls over dead, 3 o'clock in the morning, day or so after Thanksgiving. And you know what this children's worker's response is? I don't get it. I'm painting, I'm hurting, but I know where my husband is, and I know what my task is. I know what the plan is that I have. You see, there's people who have a reality. There's people who have an experience with him, who, who understand this. They understand that, that uh, he says I, in 1 John 5, 13, I write these things to you, to, for those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know, say no. That you have eternal life. If you want to know him, then you need to read his word. You need to let the word of God, which is Jesus, amen. You need to let the sword of the spirit, amen, work in you and carve out all of that junk and that garbage that the world has put in you. And you need to go ahead and just have a, a reformatting of your mind, amen, the renewing of your mind, the transformation of you from the inside out. And then all of a sudden, no matter what comes your way, you won't be lacking in reality, you won't just have a form. You won't be just someone who considers himself religious, but you will actually be of the true religion. Now, we've heard it said over and over again that 
Religion's not what we want. We want relationship. And I full heartedly agree with that. So many people today, though, are lacking reality, the reality of their salvation. You know, they're looking for that birth certificate. But I want to tell you something. Your birth certificate, you ought to have two of them, right? But I've only got one death certificate, all right? Amen, because it's only death here on this earth. It's, it's, it's only going to be one, right? But there's some people who are tragically going to have both a birth certificate and two death certificates. Lord, help us so we can make a difference in other people's worlds. There was a man by the name of H.L. Cox. He was going through a, a pretty hard time, and he made up his mind he was, could take it no longer. And he, he said, I'm tired of playing church. I'm tired of the illusion. My soul demands reality. And, and, and he found it in the Lord Jesus Christ because of a remove from religion to relationship. And this is the words of the song that he penned. He says this, oh, how well do I remember how I doubted day by day. For I did not know for certain that my sins were washed away. When the Spirit tried to tell me I would not the truth receive, I endeavored to be happy and to make myself believe. How many of you have been there before? I mean, I've talked with people before. Pastor, I'm doing everything. I'm trying to make my, myself believe. I'm trying to think on these things. And, and that, that, that transformation process still hasn't happened. I, I, I ache for those people. But guess what? He says this. He says, when the Spirit tried to tell me I would not the truth receive, probably because he didn't recognize who the Spirit was, right? But then I prayed to God in earnest and not caring what men said. I was hungry for the blessing. My poor soul, it must be fed. And then at last by faith, say at last. At last by faith, I touched him and like sparks from smitten steel, just so quick salvation reached me. Oh, bless God. I know it's real, but it's real. It's real. I know it's real. Praise God that doubts are settled for I know, I know it's real real. Amen. Raise your hand if you could say, I know it's real. Okay. <laughs> you say, I, I, Pastor, I don't have to raise my hand. I don't have to do that. So listen, until this body gets excited about the reality of your salvation experience, you're not going to convince anybody of anything. You say, I don't have to convince the other people that's here. Amen. Sometimes we need encouragement. You know, you could be sitting next to somebody right now who is struggling with doubt. And they're watching us. They're watching one another. Surely they expect for their pastor, they expect for the church leaders to be excited about that. But you know what really makes a difference in the reality in people's lives? When the person who is walking through life just the way that they're walking through it, who doesn't have the title, who doesn't, is, is not in the particular position, and they're walking through it, and they see that excitement, they see the swelling up of the encouragement, they see the, the reality of their experience, and you don't realize many times how we're supposed to be encouraging one another with our enthusiasm, with our zeal. Oh, I, I'm not talking about a form. I'm not talking about a form. I'm talking about that you have praised the Lord so much in the week that you turn on that Christian radio station, that you download on Spotify or on, uh, on iTunes or on what are, are the other ones? Pandora, you do it. Your, your playlist is just filled with the, with the praises of God. And you're consuming that. You're reading the word. And you can't wait for the next encounter. See, someone with a form 
they lack reality. But someone who has the reality cannot fake it. Amen. Now, I have been guilty of saying it different times. You fake it till you make it. Anyone ever hear that before? It's sometimes exactly right, Sandy. You just go ahead and say, this isn't, I, I'm not seeing the reality of this yet, but I'm going to walk this out. <laughs> now, now the, the, the faking thing, you know, we, we don't like that, by, but by faith, amen. It's not by, you could say, I'm going to faith it till I make it. How many you know what I'm saying? I'm going to faith it until I make it. I'm going to keep on believing the word of God. I'm going to keep on having it work in my life, amen, because he says that he's not going to stop working on me until he brings me to completion. Oh, I may be a long ways from it. I may have even been a person who seemed like I was, right, had a form of godliness, but guess what today I'm going to go to the next place hmm. the second thing that happens when we get disconnected is we lack restraint we lack restraint someone they consider that they are religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue he deceives himself Why? Why? Why this emphasis here? There's got to be so many other more problematic areas in someone's life than to deal with this issue of the tongue. Right? Think about that. Someone just said life and death is in the power of the tongue. James says like a like a tongue, a tongue's like a, like the, like the, the rudder on a ship, and it's ever so small, but it steers it. How about have you considered that maybe how your tongue that is steering you can either be leading you into a faith-filled life or a faithless life? And without faith, it's impossible to please God. How about the words that you use, or the lack of words, or the ability for you to restrain the words? If you don't keep a tight rein on your tongue, you deceive yourself. It's not about you so much deceiving others. It's about you deceiving other people. Listen, I can see why the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues is so important. Because i got to surrender that rudder. i got to surrender that thing. And all the abundance of my heart, the mouth speaks. i got to get to the point where I say, Lord, you've got this particular area that steers everything else. I want to tell you something. There are some signs. There are some, there are some things that should be happening with your tongue if you are a true follower of Christ. If you're not someone who just seems or you're not someone who considers yourself religious, but you actually are religious, you're going to be praising God. You're going to be witnessing. Listen, I never met a hunter that's a diehard hunter that doesn't have the stories. You know what I'm saying? The fisherman who's out there and talks about how challenging it was, amen, can recall every nook and cranny of that particular bay or lake or where they're at. And I had to go out there, and I had to use this lure, and I had to keep on putting it in front of him, and he wouldn't take it. He wouldn't take it until I, I pulled on it this way and pulled on it that way. And, and then, you know what I'm saying? 
There comes a little bit of knack with this thing. There comes a little bit of science and research. There comes a little bit of intention. And you're asking yourself, how can I make a difference? How can I not just act like I'm a Christian? How can I not just have the form of Christianity but actually be a Christian? Listen, it's about your tongue. You see, you're going to find that the person who's not been born again is going to find himself or herself criticizing on a regular basis. You're going to find a person who is not totally Living out for God, who is using just garbage language, cursing, lying, exaggerating. Things we call the little white sins. I mean, the Bible doesn't have that definition anywhere. (laughs) There's not white sins, gray sins, black sins, purple sins. It's just all sin to him. Amen. He says this. He says, listen, the two inch tongue. Maybe it's more for longer for some. I don't know. But anyway. We'll do more damage than a wrecking crew. Really? You take those builders, and they're all trying to build something up. They're trying to work on a project, and, and we may be trying to build a building, and you start to sow dissension. You start to sow, sow criticism. You start to sow, sow um, uh, second-guessing with regards to the leadership that's in place, and all of a sudden, guess what? You get nothing done. God's called us. To make a difference. And that scripture verse that we already quoted comes from Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There was a woman who was considered to be a great church worker. And I said she was considered to be a great church worker, but she had a loose tongue. On one occasion, she wanted to impress the pastor. And and it was a church where they had... Uh, altars that were, were like benches and you would kneel, you know, down and then be kind of up a little bit. And she says, Pastor, she says, I, I just want to lay my tongue on the altar. And he said, <laughs> and, and I just want to lay. And, and, and she said, and the pastor said, to her, well, he says, I don't know. It's only 24 feet long. <laughs> Speaking of the altar, OK, <laughs> which could have been making reference to her tongue. I don't know. There's sometimes the tongue does this lashing on people, amen? And we become critical. We become critical of other ministries. May I say to you there's no room in that? Last week I had a, 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 a passage that I, I didn't read, but, but there was a point where, where Jesus' disciples were upset because people were casting out demons and doing healings, and, and, and they, they didn't receive the proper schooling, and so the disciples thought. And Jesus says this, listen, if they're not against you, they're for you. Whoa. But hold on, they don't go to my church. Hold on, they're just doing something. Listen, he says, listen, how, how about getting rid of the critical spirit that's operating that tongue? How about we all getting on the same team and realizing, listen, God's a whole lot bigger than us. Some people think we've got to defend God. Someone, someone's using the Lord's name in vain. I don't like it. I don't, you know, say, oh, there's no problem with it all. But listen, I don't have to defend God. He's a big God, amen? I don't have to get upset about it. I'm just saying, why do you do that? I ask questions of people because we want to get people to think. I use my tongue to speak words of life. Life-giving is the kind of church that we should be. But people who are not connected have no restraint. And rather than bringing life, they bring death. They bring division where people don't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) Third thing is this. When we're not connected, we lack results. 
James, he speaks about the dangers of this, this really it's a, a superficial religion. He speaks about this form. And in verse 26, and his religion is worthless. Someone who considers himself to be religious, all right, but has no restraint on his tongue, his religion is worthless. It has no results. It has no effects. If you do not connect to him the right way, you may have all the power, all right, but guess what? You won't be starting the engines. So important for us to realize, amen. The King James Version uses the word vain. It'll be vain. It'll be an exercise in futility. You'll be simply spinning your wheels. Your religion won't be doing any good whatsoever. There's nothing to it. It'll have a sum total of zero. But so many people will say, but I go to church. At least, how many of you have heard some people say that word? At least, I don't, I do. At least, how about at most? How about the words and how about the, 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 the excitement being? And you know what? With everything within me, I'm not barely holding on, but I'm pushing forward. Not at least, amen. Forget the at least. Let's go at most. Let's put in everything that we've got and let's get some results, Amen. Christianity is not just one more religion. It is about a vital relationship with one person, one God, who has given us, him to us, in the form of a father, in the form of a son, in the form of the Holy Spirit, amen? And if you have Christ in you, he is living to make a change. And, and, and listen, when you got married, all right, you didn't get the marriage religion, Hello? Some people expect that when you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, that, you know what, now he's going to take away all of the problems. He's going to take away all my bad thinking, all my, all, all of my thoughts, all that kind of stuff. That, that's just all going to be taken care of. I'm not really going to have to do anything. I'm just waiting for you, Lord, to take all these bad habits out of my life. <laughs> and God's got to do it, right? We know that. We, but there's a, there's a balance between it all, Right? And this balance says that, yes, what God has to do it, I've got to put myself in a position, amen, for those results to start to take place. I've got to go ahead and stay connected to him so that he can work this work in me, Christ in me. I said that, you know, some of us don't get the religion of marriage. How many of you ever had any problem? Here, okay, everyone just right now, let's make up, make up our minds, all right? Husbands and wives, spouses that are in here right now, Hold no fault for the person answering truthfully, okay, in the next few moments. We want truthfulness. We're in the house of God, right? How many? You know, okay, so here's what we're going to ask you. How many of you ever at any point in time have wondered what in the world did you get yourself into in a marriage relationship? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Come on. I got both up. You can tell us she's in children's church right now, but I got both up, all right? And in this relationship, it, it, it's, it's awesome because guess what? I know that the result of me having a healthy relationship is going to be about me not just having a form of marriage. 
We all got problems, right? But it's successful when we dig down past those problems. When we do what the word of God says and we deny ourselves daily and we pick up our cross and we crucify ourselves and we say it's not about my preference, it's not about my intention, but it's about this marriage relationship and I want it to be fruitful. I want it to be effective. I, I want my relationship with Jesus Christ to make a difference. Listen, the devil has, has, has brought to you all kinds of things and given you all kinds of excuses about why we can't make a difference in the world today. But the worst thing about people whom are not intent on making a difference, they're not intent on, 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 on having results, guess what? Is that many of them are not even aware of it. The devil could care less. If you go to hell from a church seat, or if you go to hell out there in the world never knowing him, you say, well, pastor, I'm here. I'm already made the intention. I know that. But if you think that just coming in here is going to turn you into everything that you need to be here for him and effective and productive, then you are one of those people that think when you walk into McDonald's, you're going to turn into a Big Mac. <laughs> that's why you won't walk in there. You just say, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it, it, it's so important for you to realize that, that we've got to have this intention. We've got to put things in play. And, and he, the devil doesn't mind you having a form of religion as long as you don't have Jesus Christ, as long as you don't get connected to him, as long as you try to do things your way. Listen, how, how many of us are here born again? We, we have to answer that question. How many of us are absolutely convinced that we have Jesus Christ in our hearts and that we are living for him and we've got a purpose, we've got a plan? Listen, we ought to be so excited about it, Amen. It, it amazes me. We go to different Christian um, concerts and, and worship sessions and, and, and things, and you put hundreds and maybe even a couple thousand people in this place, and there is an experience and there's an encounter that people have that just, it just kind of like just takes them away. They're so excited about it. There's a, there's a Jesus Culture one coming up here in a couple months, and it's going to be over in the Grand Rapids area, and someone said, hey, we ought to go together with that. And, and, and you know, it, people are going to stand for hours. That's more than one, okay? That's what hours is. I'm not sure how many. But and, and, and someone might get upset with them because they want them to sit down because they're blocking the view. <laughs> but they're like, uh, uh we're in a worship experience. We're in a worship encounter time, right? Using my tongue, I'm going to glorify him. And, and I'm really sorry if, if you happen to sit in a place where, you know, you can't see, but there's really nothing to see because right now I'm, play, I'm praising the audience of one. Right now I'm just caught up with another bunch of other people who are just going to press into him. And it doesn't matter if it's a half hour or if it's an hour, if it's two hours. Listen, how, how many of you know that, that we grew up in a day and a time, a number of you are in this place where you knew that you would go to services and it would last for a long, long, long time. Amen. And some people will long for that, all right? I'm not longing for that. I'm longing for the reality of an encounter. I'm believing that God can do a whole lot more in five minutes than I can ever do in an hour and a half. You know what I'm saying? 
So God has got something in store for us, but he's looking for a church who will not just have a form of religion but in a form of godliness, but they will have the desire to make a difference. They'll have the real thing. You're going to be hearing a whole lot more about real in the months to come. I'm excited about what the Lord has for us as far as a church. But I want our musicians to come if you would right now. And I want us to, everyone in this place, just to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you would, please. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now. We ask you, God, to do something that no man can do. We ask you, Lord, to give us, put within us, that touch of your Holy Spirit into every hungry heart. Your word says that those who, who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Those who desire a touch of you because they're tired of where the mind goes, they're tired of where the tongue goes, they're tired of the form of godliness, but, but they've denied the power, the power that you have to change us. Lord, work in us, I pray. Work in us as a body, I pray in Jesus' name. Move in us. Move in us. Can that be your prayer today? Will that be your prayer today that says, Lord, I, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at? I mean, Pastor, ask us to, to just to, to have these intentional contacts with people. And, 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 and a majority of us, as far as the church, we've missed it, Lord. Help us. Help us to put the pedal to the metal. Help us to realize a sense of urgency. ER care that we have been called to give. Every head bowed and every eye closed, church, I'm looking for a revival to take place in these last days. And since I'm looking for revival to take place, that is where people will come to know Jesus at an unprecedented rate. I am convinced that it won't happen until the church is operating at an unprecedented rate, at, at, at an unprecedented level of faith, an unprecedented level of excitement and zeal that's accompanied with knowledge, an excitement about what God will do through us as individuals and as a group. Revival won't come to the world until revival happens within us got to start within us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do that for us right now in Jesus' name.